history through a house. A look at British history through the doors of Longlands. Giving you the facts, not just in the history books. With your host, Isadora Martin-Dye. Welcome to History Through a House. I'm Isadora Martin Dye. In the room with me, you have my husband Ben. Hello, I'm and, Ben. And our cousin Adam. Hey, we're still not sick. Yay! We are officially now two days past our enforced quarantine of having to. It's uh, voluntary quarantine. Yeah, now it's voluntary <laughs> of traveling. <laughs> I hate them all. The good news is, is that while I've been in quarantine, it's also given me loads of time to ruminate on this particular thing that we're doing here with podcasting. So I've got loads of information, which is why for two days in a running, my... Shoe in the cud. ...husband and Adam have a drink in their hand, and I'm going to get educated. We're going to get drunkenly educated. Do you remember what we talked about last time? <laughs> oh, neither, <laughs> neither do I. It was three weeks ago. <laughs> talked about the... We're going to do a Stonehenge special. We yeah. are. That's what we're doing. It's going to be a 24-hour stream. About just about Stonehenge. Like, hey, guess what? Oh, yeah, I don't like, have that much of a twenty-four hour stream. One, two, three millimeters, five, <laughs> six, seven, nine. It's a thousand billion millimeters. All right. Well, you are totally correct. Today is a special episode, just about stone circles. No. Yes, stone circles, and it is relatively local in some parts, but also definitely not local in others. As How it, do we know they're circles? I don't understand the question. Could they have been something? Is that, are you asking, like, could they have been squared, but the, the corners just got rounded off? Oh, maybe they're octagons. Oh, uh, but they didn't no, know what an octagon they'd was? No, circular. circular. What? No? They'd be octagonal. But I'm saying they maybe are like circular. They would look like a circle, but, like, they're technically octagonal. No, because there's many, many more stones than eight in the Stonehenge circle so how many points are there on the stonehenge circle uh there's 60 or 80 stones so Do you know how many points there are on a circle what? zero so you're saying that if round. stonehenge existed and it was a circle it wouldn't exist yes it's a tangonal okay no decahedron no because that's a three-dimensional object that's a d20 all right, so oh, you guys are such like Dungeon and Dragon nerds. <laughs> the only reason you know words and numbers like that is because you're a Dungeon and Dragon. There are like four die, like three dimensional dies, and there's like dodecahedron, and there's like three. I never remember. And where like do you use them? Four side die. Um, Dungeons and Dragons, obviously. That's the only place. Okay. When you need to get a random number between zero and twenty, so you can save the dodecahedron from rock side. <laughs> All right. There isn't really a whole lot to report on what's been going on at Longlands in the last 24 hours. It's the same stuff? Except we've no. demolished a bit more of the old house. We found a very cool way of keeping the front porch on, which they appear to have just weighted it down with many, more. many concrete blocks. It was very s spooky to uncover that. Because I was like, oh, man, that's an old old chimney. And then your, your carpenter workman was like, no, I think they just used that to hold the front porch on. I think that's just a, that's just a port call us. Um... Is that what a portcullis was? Mm -hmm. I don't think you're right. I'm not. Okay. The greenhouse. Yeah, we did. We we repaired the greenhouse. Was and really we're gonna fun. plant some taters so we can make yeah. it through the apocalypse. And you're laughing now. <laughs> I'll be laughing then too when we're when we're eating potatoes. When, when, when we have an extra <laughs> arm a piece and we're eating taters. We're recording the podcast just for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So that's what's been going on for the last twenty four hours. Um, and I didn't. We didn't mention this last episode, but we got a puppy in the break. So, well, we got two puppies in the break technically. My mother got a puppy who was living in the house with her, 
and we got a puppy who we rescued from Batsy Dog's home. He's got six toes on each foot, so you know he's from Teen Village. <laughs> he does have six toes on each foot. But it does mean that if you guys, we're trying to teach him the joys of just settling down and relaxing during a podcast. But if you hear the odd random break like there was in the last episode, it's because we've had to get up and let him out because he's also not quite uh, house trained yet. So at 14 weeks, we adore him. His name is Gryffindor to go with our other dog, Snitch. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can find him on our Instagram page. Hope you, Griff, uh, Hope you get mocked incessantly for naming your dog Gryffindor on the internet. <laughs> but for anyone who needs a push, of course, this is a really great time to adopt a dog. He likes banana chips. Until, banana until chips. three months from now when you have to go back to work and then you realize you still have a but dog. But this is a great time for a dog to learn your household, learn your routines, walking dogs. Yeah, plus, get what you else out. are you going to do? Yeah, what else are you going to do? Pets have never been happy. They're like, wait, my person is home all, all the, the time? time. Yeah. yeah. This oh, is, they have flu-like symptoms? It doesn't matter. They still got to walk me. <laughs> this is pretty much the best time in the world to get a dog. All right, Stone Circles. That was my little PSA on Adopt, Don't Shop. And what we're going to start off talking about is kind of we're going to talk about them much in the same way that we talked about geology. We're going to start with like a global idea and then go all the way down to the very local thing. Um, and Stonehenge is right in the middle of all of that. Okay. So megalith is the technical t- term for a stone oh. circle or a tomb, temple, building, anything made with big stones. And that is because megalith it's means... Several monoliths. Big stone. <laughs> is a lith... Stone? I guess so. Is that Latin? Oh, because mono means one. No, mega. No, but like a monolith is oh, okay. one. Oh, yeah. Like, it's like a... Like the thing at the beginning of 2001. Why wouldn't it be a polylith? Because Latin was stupid. I don't know. Okay. Poly means many. Hmm. But it's not. It's big stone. Well, because I think it big would... In, I think megalith would perhaps include monoliths. Of oh, maybe. Era. But if you think about it, compared to the Earth, those are still pretty small stones. They really are. And... In the world, there are 30, 35,000 uh, prehistory megaliths. Who has time for that? We're not going to talk about the same 35,000. people are building all of the megaliths. Like, you know what's really cool? Find some long rocks and stand them up. Apparently the French. We have two long rocks. We should try standing them up. And then putting a thing over top of yeah, them. Yeah, we should try that. Okay. Well, Instagram. Much like we talked about in the last episode, there's been a huge amount of research recently that have opened up a little bit more of an idea as to what megaliths are about in february 2009 they did some new radium carbon dating of the stones of some of these megaliths to try and figure out how they spread and when each one was put up it's originally thought that they spread kind of like a trend a bit like what we were talking about last week when i was saying that the beakers they were trying to figure out if that was a trend Mm -hmm. that spread so originally they thought this was spread with people so kind like rand like Random cultures just sort of doing it around the same time, right? Because yeah. There's no way they would have been able to really. So they had, there was just, yeah, they thought it kind of just popped up. People were coming up with this idea that it was a great way to. Was it the beakers? Worship. It's earlier than the beakers. Was it a trend? The carbon dating showed that it actually started in France and then spread along trade routes, which gives rise to the idea that there was a lot more trade two, three thousand years earlier than we were talking about with the beakers. And, in fact, people had been trading for, well, just many, many years, um, back and forth between Europe, and ships had been built. So one of those major maritime routes was obviously into the southwest of England, which is where we are, which is why there's quite a lot of megaliths around here. Can you just quickly, when I think of maritime routes, I think of sea voyages. Yeah. I think of water voyages. Yes. But a lot of these megaliths are nowhere near water. 
No, but they it's more the ideas would have come through people. So they think that it started in France and then yeah. some dude in France got on a boat and came to England and said, you know what's a really good idea? They've been doing this in France. Let's build a big stone cell. I have a hard time believing that I could ever be convinced by some rando off a boat to build a big stone thing. Okay. I mean, I do understand that like that could very well be the case. but Yeah, I don't think it's any different than the fact that we're all drinking like LaCroix water. Mm, that's fair. It's just a trend. Yeah. It was just, just something that somebody such, told him was a religion a or a way trend. of doing it. Yeah. There are two types Thanks, of France. stone circles. There is a very specific type that tends to be found in Scotland and Ireland, which I kind of like the look of. It's called the recumbent stone circle, which means that at one point they've got one of the biggest rocks and they've actually laid it on its side, not stood it up. Mm. And then they design the rocks to go by size order. So depending on which stone circle you look at, it's either the smallest stones are next to the recumbent stone and they go to the biggest ones opposite the recumbent stone or it's the opposite way around and they go smaller. Sounds a lot more energy efficient. Yeah, it's just a kind of a different way of looking at it. They don't seem to have, they don't have capstones on them Mm. like you would think of in Stonehenge. Ireland has uh, two of the tallest ones and actually they face them side to side and the name for those are like flat panels so it's not, they're not even on... The big tallest ones aren't even set so that the longest side follows around the circle. They're set facing each other. Mm-hmm. And they're actually called portals, which I really like. There's a few, like, mystically things that come back into this. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they believed that this was a portal was, like, a... An actual... Yeah, that's... thing. In England, they have much more... It's, in the rest of the world, it's the concentric circles, which are what you would think about more with Stonehenge, which is a big circle inside a small circle and sometimes two, three, four rows of circles inside. They even have this in the Horn of Africa and Somalia, examples of these concentric stone circles. Although there's less evidence of trade routes that way, so they're not really sure whether these ones really did just pop up Mm. independently of what was going on elsewhere. This is the late Neolithic, early Bronze Age, so we're talking kind of 4,000... BCE up to about 2000 BCE is when is the period of stone circles that we're going to talk about. And then we're going to kind of jump forward to kind of Stonehenge's impact in the last hundred years. All right. Uh, burials have been found at pretty much all the concentric circles. Not the case at the recumbent circles, but pretty much... Well, this is the argument that most people have, which is like the best idea that they can have is that they're sort of religious spaces. Yeah. But nobody actually knows what they're for. No, because there's no written history. No. So all they can do is make guesses. We're going to come back to the fact that there was a stone circle found in Hennock. But the point being is that while Stonehenge is definitely the most famous, and, you know, in all my research, every time they find a stone circle, they're like, it's the new Stonehenge, or it's Stonehenge's smaller cousin, or it's stone, it's bigger than the Stonehenge. The fact that they record every stone circle in comparison to Stonehenge really shows what an impact Stonehenge has had. Yeah, but if you go and see Stonehenge, you're sort of like, wow, those are a bunch of rocks stood on top of each other. Yeah, indeed. It's because and... you have the internet. Hmm? You have the internet. No, not in a negative way. Like, in a, like, in a, it's like, it is sort of, it is one of those features that you do, you look at, you say, like, in a time before I can comprehend, people did this thing for a reason I don't understand. And then you look around to the other ones, you're sort of like, I mean, I wouldn't say that Stonehenge is like the biggest or the best, but it does seem to be the most talked about. Yeah, it's famous. It's genuinely yeah. famous. It'd be interesting to find out why. I mean, are you going to tell us why it's more famous than all the other ones? 
Uh, no, not particularly. Okay, I never mind. Next. Um, <laughs> I couldn't find that out, except for the fact that it is one of the most complete. Or it's just next to the A303. And it's next to the A303. The most, um, the most left alone one. It's next to a thoroughfare. It, very close to Stonehenge's Avebury. Avebury? A-V-E-Bury. Which is actually a much Avebury. larger... Of the Bury. It's just actually a much larger stone circle to the extent that there's like a settlement in the middle of this stone circle. But a lot of the stones, at one point they thought the site was cursed, so people knocked the stones over and took the stones and things like that to try and break up the curse of it. So there really isn't much left of it. And actually also there they had other forms of circles because henges aren't just stone. The ones that remain are stone. But wood henges were just as much of a thing as stone hedges. What about straw hedges? The straw hedges are literally a modern invention. Oh, okay. Thanks. Oh, okay. Fine. It's like, we've got stone hedges. But don't worry, there's also wood hedges and straw hedges. Oh. England's famous for its big bad wolf. Oh, okay. Anyway. I missed that. I think you really brutalized that joke. I did. <laughs> Sorry, Eddie. Sorry, Mr. Izzard. We're not really friends. I shouldn't call you Eddie. We're not really friends. Not really close. Yet. Okay. So, uh, they also have what? Two really, while we're on the subject of stuff that's going on around Stonehenge that isn't Stonehenge, they also had what are called burning circles, which they've only found one example of where they, it looks like they built a henge, a wood henge, deliberately just to set it alight in some form of ritualistic way. That's not super unusual though, because no. we had like funeral pyres and we stuff. We also have Burning Man, so we're still doing it today. Were they celebrating Burning Man in the southwest of England? Like, 8,000 years ago? Probably. Yeah. Possibly, sure. All right. Why did you say yes with such conviction? Because it's all on Time Team. They built a Burning Man on Time Team once. Actually, they did. Burning Men, like, building building men and sending them alight. Like, the Wicker Man. Is, oh, right, yeah. That is, like, like an actual thing. It's actually a real, like, old-school mm. way of celebrating. Lame. Okay, so let's yeah, talk about Stonehenge. all those desert people stealing stuff. Let's talk about Stonehenge. Wow, way worse than it was supposed to. I am going to... Edit this out. No. So we're going to talk mostly about the facts of Stonehenge, and then we'll go into the myths and stuff of it. Mm. Um, there are two major types of stone at Stonehenge. There are the stones that were brought in from Wales, which was a blue stone. And this is the one that created a whole load of, uh, I guess, newspaper articles a few years ago when they managed to finally figure out that those stones had come in from Wales. It's a long way to bring a stone there. It really is, and they think that they maybe floated them, rolled them. So one of the one of the great one of the great mysteries of Stonehenge. Why? How come the stone couldn't be from here and then all of it just moved to Wales afterwards? Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. So one of the theories is the glaciers just moved the stone from Wales down here. It's fairly discredited, but there is this idea that maybe people didn't move it at all. They were like, let's put these on a sled. Just ride them. Just ride them till they stop. Um, and then there are what are called the Saracen stones, which are the big Sars? stones. Saracen. Saracen. Yes. Saracen. 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 Stones. Saracen. Saracen. Which are much more local. They were found usually about 25 miles away is where they think they came from. Are they made of granite? Uh, I would assume so. Although are they I near didn't Stonehenge? Actually that. Yeah. 20... They're part of Stonehenge. These are the stone... Saracen stones are in Stonehenge. Like the, are they like the upright They're ones? the big, big ones. Whereas the small ones are the blue stone and those came in from Wales. Mm-hmm. Visibly different if you're actually... If you actually walk up to the monument or you like that's a, like a... I don't think I've ever noticed that they were different when we've walked around the outside. No, no point is bluestone blue. No, like, of course it, not. It all looks like granite. Okay. So... They, um... So they've managed to not only figure out where the stones came from, 
But they tested 25 skeletons that were found in around Stonehenge from around the period that it was originally like, yeah, I want to be buried at Stonehenge. You can get away with that? No, Not anymore. Never. They tested around 25 skeletons from Stonehenge, um, and the skeletons were first discovered in 1920. And what they actually also pointed to, the isotopes in there also pointed to that they probably came from Wales. So it looks like not only did the stone come from Wales, but the Welshman brought the stone in. Did the Welsh build Stonehenge? So Stonehenge, we're going to go into the kind of the myths surrounding Stonehenge. I guess the biggest myth and the most enduring one. Myths? Everything we know about Stonehenge is absolute fact. (laughs) Including the fact that it was built by Merlin. Oh, yeah, he definitely existed. Yeah. So Merlin was the prevailing person that they believe built Stonehenge for a very, very long time. You mean the wizard who found... Camelot? King Arthur? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, that, that, it Are you makes, trying to tell me King Arthur's fake? <laughs> it makes sense that that would be, like, the myth. So it was, from about the 12th century, was the idea that apparently what had happened is that to celebrate a win of a large battle... Merlin had instructed people... Merlin had been instructed to build a monument. Mm. Why he chose the Salisbury Plain is anyone's guess. But... They got good stakes. He apparently went to Ireland and then using magic brought in the stones from the Giant's Causeway in Ireland. He went to Ireland to bring stones from Wales? This is back in the 12th century. Right, yeah, they didn't know They didn't know the stones were Welsh. Wait, if that's the 12th century, when was Merlin and King Arthur? Uh, They were supposed to be like 900, around the... like, Like 300 years before them? Yeah, I guess so. Okay. And and basically, didn't just like someone just That's totally like make it all up? Yeah. Like, no. If I made it all up, you mean studied the history, <laughs> totally and told existed. the truth. <laughs> but obviously, the fact that these big stone circles is it's obviously tied and linked into the Merlin Arthur myth because they're stone, because they're circles, and it made for a nice mystical way. And Merlin was supposed to be a druid, and this is where the druids come in. It's like round table stuff. Yeah, round table stuff. So, and then the, and then what happened was everyone started to think that it was made by the Druids. Um, however, the Druids actually only came into being about 300 years um, BCE, and the Henge was made 4,000 years BCE, so it most definitely was not the Druids mm. that built it. The nearest that they can come up to is, is that the Neolithic people built two concentric circles. They dug the ditch and built the was, bank. I always thought it was the Egyptians made them build it, Jews. Wrong country. Okay. Wrong monument. So this is my next question. Why is it that Egyptians were building squares and triangles and people in England were building circles? It's a really good question. Well, wasn't their their civilization was so much further advanced at this point than England would have been? Yes. Yes, but also there is a weird thing to do with England and circles. So, like, for instance, in France, one of the big ones that they have there is the Karnak Stones that is one of their big... Uh, monument, monolithic monuments. And it's just, it's lines of stones very deliberately designed in repeating pattern of large and small stones. And it doesn't link to the stars, the sun, moon. They think that it was a funerary thing, like to do with funerals. Oh. And a gateway passage between two worlds. But that's the thing is like the Celts, the Irish, the English have always been obsessed with this idea of sort of infinite, you know, yeah. round circles, mm-hmm. you know, like, but it's like the Celtic knot. Yeah, and like Celtic But it's interesting very... that like there may be no evidence that Stonehenge has anything to do with the gateway, the recumbent stones in Ireland, yeah. and the the gateway and the There's gateway all this in idea that could be a transportation to wherever. But I guess the 
a lot of Stonehenge just it looks like a bunch of doors. Yeah, and and that's so that is a you know not a theory, but it is something that comes maybe up. Maybe doors. Maybe they're made of wood. The beginning of Outlander is her falling into a stone circle and being transported back to a different world. So the idea that stone circles, the idea that these big stone passageways lead you into other hmm. worlds when you walk into a tomb, when you walk into a... There's this idea of stone passageways leading you to other worlds. Okay, so they believe that Stonehenge was built by the Neolithic people mm. about 4,000 years ago. How, um, how do how they have built it? Carbon dating. They built it with carbon dating. <laughs> um... They believe that, honestly, they don't know how they built it. They just know that they did. There's about five different ways that they could have got the stone. Mm. The mystery is not how did they get the stone from there to here. Mm. The mystery is why. Yeah. Why bother? They know mm. how they did it, but why was it important to bring the blue stone from Wales to Stonehenge? Mm -hmm. And there's very little answer to that, like at all, except for the fact that we'll come into it later, but blue stone they think was to do with healing. And that perhaps it was a temple of healing. Oh, like a poker stop. Pokey. Oh, you're the worst. It's a poker center. Oh, <laughs> you nerd. <laughs> What's a poker stop? Nothing. That's a, that's the thing in Pokemon Go. That's like when 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 like Rachel plays Pokemon Go. She's okay. like, I have to go to a poker stop. Oh, okay. So poker center. Yeah, it's in the games. Yeah. So recently, they have also found a place. Just a big old pokey center. That'd be kind of nice. You just like walk by and you just lie in it for a bit, and it's like it was a pokey center for people. You just lay down and it would heal your arrow. There was like a girl there who looked exactly the same in every stone circle. She put you on a computer. and You went beep beep yeah beep beep yeah. Okay, you were saying sorry. You were teaching us this. This was important. Okay, Blickmead is near Stonehenge, and they believe it could be the site of the first city in England. Now. I have to say, in my notes... Define city. I was about to say... Multi-story building? <laughs> in my oh, notes, <laughs> I have written city in big, Massive. big parentheses, like big they have a quotation a marks. cathedral? No. That actually is not how they determine what a, a, a city is. He looked is. this up after I told him that that was how they determine what a city is, and I'm wrong. It's not. It's completely arbitrary. It's not population? It's not population, and it's not whether or not you have a city or a cathedral. Actually, Mugdad told me this. It's like, it's completely... It may have meant something at one point. It no longer does. My point being is that under no definition of what you and I would consider a city, is this so a city? City. was this a city? A city? We could have yeah. wanted to. Was this city a city? Of so like, when, there are like 25 people who were buried here, and they're like, this is the biggest group of people. It's not actually a burial. They found evidence of houses, and that's where it becomes interesting. So in the Mesolithic period, there really was a, This is pre-Neolithic. So this is the first... We're going back in time again. We're going back in time. We're jumping around timelines a lot in this one. So, Mesolithic period, this area would have been a big floodplain with a big river, and actually they think that that's one of the reasons that they chose uh, how they got the stones to Stonehenge was they floated them down a river because the river causeways would have been much bigger. It's a big raft. Oh, okay. I was like, because rocks don't float. Oh, my <laughs> Lord, Ben. <laughs> I'm just um, saying. You are way smarter than me. You should have been able to think of that. <laughs> um... <laughs> So, that was a joke. Um, <laughs> what's really unusual about this space and why they think they chose it was, and this is before all these monoliths started getting built, okay? This is, like, way back like when. several before. Yeah, it's because unlike other places where we talked about the geology and you can see the pollens, and remember I was saying that the whole landscape was filled with trees? Definitely. Even back then, it was an open plain, and it was filled with the Auroch cattle. Because of the chocolate oh, plain, the, the, the big Nazi cows. The big Nazi cows. 
See how this is all all the it's last all three connected. episodes are tying in oh right my now. Lord. Um so those guys have little mustaches. It was filled with the big Nazi cows. <laughs> um How'd you know they were Nazi cows? They have two back mustaches. <laughs> so Right, they believe that one of the major reasons for the settlement there and that they actually worship these cows. They've been placed in very significant ditches around Stonehenge, actually in this village that they've excavated, city that they've excavated. At one point, they found that they were trying to preserve not the not the archaeologists, but the actual people that lived there. There were two gigantic cow rock footprints and they'd actually built a box around them to try and preserve them in the middle of the city so there's a lot of evidence that not only were they hunting them and killing them but they were worshipping them in this place mm. and that they were really really important they reckon that these guys were basically the people the people that lived in Blickmead were the first people to kind of identify Salisbury Plain as being a place of there's Blickmead in Salisbury Plain yeah okay. and they reckon they might have been the first kind of people to identify this area as being mystical because more there is been... so much stuff there. Yeah. It's not just Stonehenge. There's all the burials. There's all the different... There's all the different henges. There's single standing stones. There's all this evidence of different stuff that was happening in that area. What would have been different between the plains and Blickmead that would have made it that much? So Blickmead was on the plain. Right. Okay. But, like, why would it have been... Why would that specific spot have been... Just because they think it didn't, it wasn't filled with trees. There was much more. Oh, it was landscape, okay, okay, okay. And the cattle were already there. It was there. already a plane. It was already a plane. Ah. And the cattle were already there. Then, um, so the, originally, it was a circular ditch and bank. So we talked a little bit about those beforehand. Embankment circles. Um, and how they. It's a tube stop in London. Well, I'm close enough. Um, <laughs> is it really? I think so. Embankment, embankment is on the circle. Is on the I don't know if it's on the circle line. Embankment is a stop, and circle yeah. line is. But the they, line. there's, uh, they would have just originally been a ditch and a thing, and that could have been used for multiple reasons, including defense and cattle, cattle, and there's really no evidence as to why they started using this area as a point of interest. The second phase was in about three thousand, four thousand BCE when they brought in the stones, and they brought in about eighty different stones. They reckon to begin with. This is this back um, in Blickmead, or is this at Stonehenge again? This is Stonehenge, okay. but Blickmead's only a few miles away. Okay. So they reckon that the people that were originally using Stonehenge lived at Blickmead. Gotcha. They added about 80 stones, and then the third phase of building was in about 2000 BCE, where they added sandstone into the mix. The Saracen sandstone slabs were added. Here's something I didn't know until I was doing this. There is evidence that these stones were repositioned many, many times. Ugh. So... It wasn't like they had this great idea of how Stonehenge was going to look like. Oh, really? No, and I kind of always assumed that they had a plan. Maybe the plan evolved and they added to it. What I didn't realize was is that apparently they were actually going in there and moving the stone around. That's awful. Well, that's like the, the what was the episode you told us about the the stones needed to be rebuilt by three widowers before they had <laughs> the breakfast or whatever. Stones. Yeah. Yeah. There are some weird things, but also it might be less weird than that. And... This is my theory. It's not just my theory. It is that Stonehenge was never just one thing. The reason why no one can pin down what it was is because it was never just one thing. And the stones were repositioned depending on what they needed. Mm. So maybe at one point it was more of a defensive position. There is one person, again, fairly discredited, but there is one person who believes that the stones were set up like that to help deter archers because they could live inside. There were still the gaps, but... 
his question was why would you have the stones bigger than the gaps mm. it's more like old-fashioned medieval tower slits where mm. you could fire arrows out but trying to fire an arrow back in was going to be a hell of a lot harder mm. so the last piece of like super science that they've done is that recently they have tested the isotopes on a whole load of pig skeletons that were found there and this is what i found really cool which is there's a ton of evidence to feasting now that doesn't really point to one thing or another because i'm sure they feasted for funerals and celebrations and but there was a lot of evidence of them feasting there the pigs they decided to test because they figured they could find out where people were coming from to celebrate mm. based on where the pigs grew up because right. you can test isotopes just like you can test the swiss switzerland guy turns out these pigs were coming from scotland wales all over the country so people were coming in from the entire country to celebrate what we assume is summer solstice or winter solstice. Mm. They assume it was the winter solstice because of the way the pig, when the pigs were slaughtered, they would have it would have worked out about being that period of their growth. Mm. So, but that's really like, how do people know? Yeah, why, how would they have them to go there? Think how hard it is to get people to go to a new festival when in today with the internet and all the rest yeah, of it. Yeah, the, the fire documentary, I know. Yeah, it's how hard is it? It's, how hard would it have been it didn't to tell? Seem that hard. They all were pretty convinced very yeah. easily to go. Yeah. How, how many influencers do you think it took them to get? To, how many Instagram posts to get? To get the people to to from to... Scot- Neolithic Scotland to travel down it to Stonehenge. Like, it would have taken like generations to get people down here. Also, pigs aren't that easy to move. Yeah, they are. You just hit them on the sides with a stick but, and like. But they're not like. But then, like, you have to like. Have a pig be born, and then be like, well, this What's is the, the pig we're going to take to England, exactly. and we're going to walk it to England, and it's going to take. Pigs I'm going to die. Maybe, hopefully, my grandson gets to eat it by the time <laughs> he gets down. It, to I will England. say, I don't, don't think it long. takes that long. No. Um, but he wants. I don't think it takes that long, but pigs. You just tie a string to the pig, and then you walk with it. Yeah, but you've got to decide. It's worthwhile bringing a pig from wherever you live. Why? Because they're easy, they're they're smart as dogs. They can probably take to a leash pretty quickly. <laughs> but why not just get down there and then stay there? Get a pig from down there. Because you couldn't. Because you couldn't just get pigs wherever you were. It was just butcher shops hanging out. No, but they were the more domesticated, and it's not like they don't have tons of puppies. Pups. Why am I calling them puppies? Often I just looked at my puppy. They have tons of piglets. That's the word I was going to look for. No, it is really weird. Were there, just, were there more from Wales and Scotland than from England? They were just from all over. I didn't see proportional or where they came from. But that is bizarre, though. Yeah, it's a really bizarre thing. And just kind of worth pointing out, mainly because it's weird. Yeah, all that right. is weird. So let's talk about theories. But does that imply that people just, like also came down? Like, I, yes, because, yeah. Well, yeah, I would have to. Ugh. So why were people from England and... Why Wales were people from all of England and Wales and Scotland going to Stonehenge and these other circles on the Salisbury Plain? Because it isn't just Stonehenge. It's, they, they tested oh, pig the bones other. from a whole load of different just places. Just to party, I guess. To party! Yeah. It's all the beaker's fault. <laughs> okay. So here's some of the... Here's some of the, like, theories as to what it could have been used for. A ceremonial site to commune with the gods. So solstices, which is fairly obvious because that's what people use it for now. There's still huge celebrations on if the solstices there. Why do people there. appreciate equinoxes in the same way that they appreciate solstices? So they don't have Stonehenge to celebrate them at? Robert, it's interesting because that could not be that might not be the original like region reason that Stonehenge was built. Yeah, so it's interesting that like 
Stonehenge would have been the... We've decided that we're going to celebrate the solstice here, even though that may not be the original reason that that monument was constructed. Yeah, and and there's been a idea that it's based on the astronomical calendar, too, to do with stars. People aren't sure that they had the knowledge back then mm. to be able to do something like that. However, for a long time, people couldn't figure out they thought the stones had been delivered by magic. Um, religious pilgrimage. I thought that was an interesting concept. That for whatever reason, that was basically a church. Mm-hmm. And people, that's why people were coming it's in from so far. I mean, they, they looks, it looks very similar to altars. I mean, yeah. Yeah. People were coming Unless in. You can sit there and be like, the sun is here. The moon that would like a, be like a, an immediate guess. And people are coming in from all over. Yeah. A final resting place for royalty, like legitimately kind of how we use Westminster Cathedral now, where they would maybe put the yeah. body of a mm. king to rest in there mm-hmm. while people paid homage. Um, and like I said, the last one is a place to heal the sick. They've actually found that a huge proportion of the skeletons there had things that were wrong with them. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about a very small sample. There are dozens of burial mounds. Each one has dozens of people in it. There are potentially hundreds, if not thousands, of people buried around Stonehenge. And we're talking 50 skeletons of people. So it's really not large enough. It's not a big enough sample. No, and there's 17 other circles within the immediate vicinity That haven't even been... That aren't Stonehenge. Yeah. So some ways I think the whole mystery around Stonehenge is totally overblown. Probably. We pretty much know who built it. Mm-hmm. We pretty much know where they built it from. Mm-hmm. The fair guess is we're talking real semantics between was it a ceremonial site, was it a religious pilgrimage. The yeah. point being is that other than the ones that are a little more out there, like it was a defensive structure, mm-hmm. pretty much everyone assumes they came there to worship. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever god that might have been and whatever that was important to them. Why Salisbury is more interesting to me, I mean, we talked about because it was a plane, or... Is it just that it survived there? Because there could have been these stone circles all over the well, country. If stone's that big, you would have there be a bunch of stones laying. Or like, how would you? Could, but there are there are stone circles all over the country. But why are there so many in Stalsbury? The only thought because the stones would have been nicked. Let's be honest. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. They they would have been stolen and put to other use. Yeah. But you would still see that use in buildings. Yeah, unless they've broken them down. Why didn't we do that? I don't know, but my point being is that my there. House. My point being is that there could have been a gigantic stone circle just outside of London, mm. and yet as London expanded in the medieval era, era they thought it was a druid thing, and druids weren't exactly liked during the Romans and medieval periods. Can't blame them. And they just took them away. Mm. They just knock them down. So maybe all the theorizing about it being this amazing, magical, unique site is actually all wrong. I think the only thing to me that proves that that is that it, it was a specifically magical site to people is the bones from all over, because they were traveling there. Can you imagine how boring their life would have been if they took their pigs to fifty different stone circles around <laughs> countries? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I mean, is there evidence of similar things in like in the the thing in France or the one in the the Horn of Africa? Are there like similar like uh, like animal? skeletons or people being buried so almost all of them have got are to do with human burial that seems to be one of the unifying factors um except for i think some of the ones in ireland and scotland right um but the unifying factor does and even then i imagine that that stone that was laid on its side could have been where they laid out a body yes and then they buried it yeah elsewhere so 
the, the point is that we can radiocarbon dating and isotopic dating is making a huge difference dramatically quickly mm-hmm. to our knowledge of what's going on here. The fact that they don't do a ton of archaeology anymore is one of the more question mark aspects. Because honestly, if you went and dug it all up, you probably got a lot more answers. Yeah. But they don't want to do that. Briefly touching on what we talked about with the beakers. So kind of by the time the beakers get there, they're the ones that are putting in these big standstone mm. um, stones. And Is that like the furthest ring out? Yes. Okay. And they reckon that the beakers must have been responsible for shifting a lot of them around. And as we talked about last time, they were technologically more advanced. Mm-hmm. So maybe they did understand astronomy. That if they're sailing... That's how you used to navigate was mm. astronomy. So there's a, there are a ton of question marks. I, w- I honestly was hoping I would find the answer in the research I did, and I would solve the problem of Stonehenge forever. It's not going to happen. Did you do that? No, I didn't. Why are we even doing this podcast? I don't know. Mm. Let's talk about Stonehenge now, and then we'll talk about the Henick Circle. There's a rope far away. <laughs> it was given to the public about 100 years ago. By who? By the people who owned the field. Oh, okay, just like Farmer Dan? Yeah. Although, Thanks, um, Dan. I imagine they had a real name. Um, Thanks, farmer man. Farmer person. Farmer it gets about 800,000 tourists mm-hmm. eight hundred thousand tourists a year. That's it? It's not a huge number, really, is you it? You don't think? Not compared to, like, national parks. I mean, like, imagine how like how many people look at rocks every day. How many people go to Mount Rushmore or Six the Grand million. Canyon? Okay, so seriously, how many people go to Mount Rushmore a yeah. year? Probably a million. I'm gonna Google. go. I'm gonna guess it's more than eight hundred thousand. I'm gonna say definitely the Grand Canyon is more than eight hundred thousand. I would assume the Grand Canyon is because honestly, the Grand Canyon is really near Vegas. That's fair. Mount Rushmore was just a big rock thing that popped. Yeah, in my whereas head. Mount Rushmore is a bit more weirdly situated, kind of like Stonehenge's, because Stonehenge isn't like it's right next like, to London. No, no. It's not like on a train line. No. You have to make some effort to get there. How many people go see Mount Rushmore? Like twelve thousand people. Yeah, what should be like? Very embarrassing. No? I'm doing it's doing it by year. Oh. oh. There isn't just an average? It's in the millions. I knew it. I'm All a right. genius. 2018, 2,311,200. Wait, no, is that that? No, that's, yeah, that's 2 million, yeah. Okay, so briefly about kind of, we were talking briefly about the, what the historic kind of level of interest is. Oh, being where the design. Victorians is interested in Stonehenge's. The are. fact of the matter is really not very interested at all. They recently, for the 100th anniversary, asked people to send in a whole load of photos as to... The, the 100th anniversary of what? Them donating the field. Oh, okay. I was like, as if Stonehenge is 100 years old. This um, whole podcast is a sham. <laughs> um, of them donating the field. And they asked people to send in photos and they found that there really weren't that many photos pre-1900. Because it would have just been some dude's field. Yeah, it kind of was just some dude's field. And you had to get there in a horse and cart. Yeah, it's so... not easy to... Like, no one's going to use that I kind bet of the I mean, the A303 is probably still there. If you went from London to Cork... Oh, yeah, I'm sure it was... still like, wow, those are some big rocks. Yeah, and I'm sure that's <laughs> where those photos came. Because um, that's the thing I don't understand about. Like, this is my biggest issue with Stonehenge. You have an issue with a pile of rocks. Yeah. That's a is that problem that you have. Every henge made out of stone uh-huh. is technically a Stonehenge. Yeah, but this is the, the this is the big one, for some reason. Yeah, this is the important one because I will also point that hen point out that a henge is actually the circles outside the Stonehenge. 
It's wow. not actually a hinge. It took you that long to tell. I'm it's big, not actually a hinge at all. Big rock. <laughs> it's not actually a hinge okay, at all. Okay, stone circle. It's a stone circle. Let's go back to what we were talking about. Well, there's yeah. other stone circles, so how do you, like... This one lasted the longest, probably because it was not very easy to get to. What if we're yeah, like, oh, I'm going, exactly. to, I'm going yeah. to that Stonehenge over in Scotland? People are like, no, 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 there's only one No, Stonehenge. people were probably saying. In 1958 was the last time that they did any serious archaeology on Stonehenge. That was when they removed the core that we told got, uh, that I said they removed three core samples. They actually ended up pinning a whole load of the stones. They put a new capstone on. They put some concrete in the bottom of some holes. They basically made it so that while it's no longer original, it will actually last. Mm. They also then in the 90s put up the ropes so that no one can get anywhere near it. One of my favorite things that I was reading when I was looking at the 100-year-old pictures of stuff that had came in through, that had come in for the 100-year anniversary, was that one of the photos was a little boy playing in Stonehenge in 1958. And he said, my dad was the head architect on putting these stones back together. Mm. It's like of Stonehenge? Yeah. How old is your dad? And when they lifted one of the stones up to re-flatten the base. He put his hand in front of it? No, he put a coin in the bottom of it. Uh, which just goes to show that in about mm, two, three thousand years, be very confused as to it's going to so. really mess with some archaeologists' minds, which I kind of love, and perhaps gives some idea as to what... They're going to know what, what isotopes are, though, at that point. They're going to be like, these rocks are isotopes, and this coin's isotopes. We know what isotopes are now, though. That's true. All right, let's talk about Hennick. Hennick is where we live. It is. I don't think we've iterated that enough. Hank <laughs> is where we live. It's where Longlands is located. It's a city. We can uh, call it that. We can call it, apparently. It's got can two call it city. church cathedrals. It's got one church, one pub, and about ten houses. It's got the old church. Has it? Which is it? Oh, the old chapel. Yeah. We are about a mile away from a, a series of reservoirs, um, one of which is one of the oldest reservoirs in Dartmoor, and they feed the surrounding communities of these reservoirs. Um, we're going to be talking about the Totterford Reservoir, which we walk our dogs around all the time. And it's a beautiful, beautiful piece of the world. It makes for a great dog walk. Yeah. As happens in England, we had a drought. And when the drought came through and the reservoir was at its lowest, someone spotted some stone in the bottom of the reservoir. They recorded it with photos and then sent it into Time Team. And Time Team came. And under Time Team's instructions, Totterford drained its reservoir and they did a three-day dip. There was a lot of the Time Team excitement that turned out to not be warranted but um at the end of the day they had in fact proved that there was a stone circle on top of a mound with two stone a stone row leading up to it so very much a ceremonial processional into a stone circle that sat on the top of the mound the mound had also been there since metholithic 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 times they found a lot of flint work on there that dated back to pre-Neolithic. Did they find bodies in that at any point during that dig? No, they didn't. So there were some cysts that they thought would house bodies. This is one of those time team moments where they were like, we found graves. Turns out that they were just dug to help with drainage during the building of the reservoir in the Victorian period and no one had recorded them. But they did find this stones into this. The whole basin is like a natural amphitheater, right? That's why there's a reservoir in the bottom is because everything sheds down, it's in its own basin. Mm -hmm. And in the middle of all of this, there is a mound-like structure, a hill, and it's natural. 
And that would have been very obvious from quite a lot of way for people mm -hmm. that this was a man-like structure in the middle of a river. Um, so it's a really, really cool and very, very significant piece of archaeology that's mm -hmm. sitting under the water about two miles from here. Uh, we talked about how there's evidence of flint working around here and Iron Age and Copper Age and Bronze Age and every other age. The rocks around here are really old. And the rocks around here are really old. But the fact that there is a stone circle actually means not only was it where prehistoric people were, but it was a fairly significant site for prehistoric people, which is, is fairly cool. It's interesting to think that, that that location could have significance to the people who maybe built yeah. Longlands. Yeah. Well, then we're going to talk about another stone circle, which is also really close, which, by the way, goes back to my thing of... There are stone circles everywhere. everywhere. Okay. Brits love their stone circles. What are those things that people like stack stones? What are those called? Cairns. How long have those been around? It depends on what cairn you're talking about, I guess. Normally those like marked graves, I, I think, is how cairns work. But those were like... I don't know. As long as there have been stones, were people the, have But were those like Native American things? I can't, I, can't, I can't remember like what culture those were attributed to. The cis were here. No, the cairns, just like big rock. They're like rocks stacked on top of each other. Oh, okay. I don't know. And they were used as grave markers, I think. I think. Um, you still see stacked stones places when you walk through the heath around here. No, it wouldn't. Still... Yeah, that's what I don't no, know. No, they do. That's like it's still a thing that people oh, do around here. Oh, well, yeah, stones. That's for marking trails. Cairn oh, okay. modern day. Um, so, as I didn't finish last episode on a murder or a mystery or anything, we are going to finish this one. On a murder and a mystery. Not really. We're going to follow, finish it on a haunting. Ooh, hauntings are good, too. Um, and I'm taking this pretty much word for word off Legendary Dartmoor, which is a great website for figuring out these things. Okay, let's talk about Botterock. It's a tour, and it's considered Dartmoor's most eastern tour, and it's in Hennock, which is where we are, as we've already addressed. Um, it's also got a huge amount of historical significance and things that are going on with it. Um, okay. In 1238, um, that was the first recorded document, uh, documentary recording of it. Um, and they talk about concentric stone circles, um, and they found a lot of pieces of flint there. Um, There's a possible Bronze Age barrow, a stone altar, a supposed stone circle, possibly Bronze Age, and Neolithic flint scatter. So there's a lot going on there, and it's obviously been a place that people have been living, working, and worshipping for a very long time. However, why I want to talk about it is not because of all those things, although those are awesome. Bot Bottle Rock is apparently haunted by pixies. What's a pixie in this country? In the same like there. a pixie. Okay. Um, and legend tells of local folk often hearing them singing when you pass the rock Ooh. at night. One document clearly states the hollows at the base of Bottle Rock were formerly the haunt of pixies who can often be heard singing to the good folk of Hennock. Locally, there was a tradition that strange noises and music could often be heard coming from Bottle Rock. One farm labourer was adamant that on a Sunday morning he was on his way to church and he got pixie-led through the brambles over the rocks for a good two hours. Luckily, some boys came by and told him to turn his pockets inside out. When he did, he was instantly released from the spell. It's a weird thing about, like, pixie lore. Is that, like, you turn your pockets inside out and they're going to leave you alone for some reason. Yeah, it's, um, 
That's cool, I, though. It's cool. I mean, it kind of makes me want to go up there and listen it's, to music. It's interesting that, like, the haunting... Because, like, some of the hauntings we've been talking about have been, like, clearly ghost stories. And this one's a little bit more, like, fantastical. It's, yes. It's a bit more, like, druidy. The puppy woke up. Um, <laughs> so, um, it's a really interesting... It's a really interesting thing. It's Where right is, down the road. I, like, yeah, Bottle Rock is right there. I'm looking at Google Maps. Yeah. But I don't actually see the tour. Apparently, it's a small tour and the most. It's the most eastern tour in Dartmoor. How small is a small tour? I don't. I don't know. We could go wander up and try and find it. Anyway, I just thought that was a cool one. I mean, like I explained in the last episode, there's not actually a lot of really good haunting stories from this period. Mm. Even the ones we've told previously have been Victorian haunting stories to do with this period. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one of the first kind of supernaturally ones yeah, that I found, cool. and I quite like it. Yeah. Um, okay, guys. So next we're going to talk about the later Bronze Age and what that meant to the country. And we'll be going up very rapidly now towards the Roman invasion of England and what that would have meant for England in this area in particular. Exeter was a big Roman settlement. So it would have definitely spread out into the surrounding areas and to where we are. Are we going to talk about the house that moved? We can talk about the house that moved. Do you want to talk about the house that moved? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. That was also in the medieval period, so a little bit later. But we will talk about it. When we get there, we will talk about it. All right, so that was Stone Circles. That was our special on Stone Circles. Hopefully. Good. (laughs) Still. Still. Still Ben. Hopefully we can edit it down to a semblance of something that makes sense. Sanity. Um Otherwise, we'll be back tomorrow re-recording this episode. Yeah, exactly. All right. Thank you very much for listening. Bye. Holy Lord. Hi, thank you so much for listening to History Through a House. If you've enjoyed what you have to hear, please go onto iTunes and rate and review us. Also, we love to hear feedback, things that we may have done wrong, stories that you know that are interesting that we should cover, or houses that you know that you think we should cover. You can find us on Instagram at History Through a House Podcast or on Facebook at History Through a House. You can also email us at historythroughahouse at gmail.com. We really want to hear your feedback and we're really excited to get to know you. Thank you. Bye.